the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. You're listening to the Pastor Scott Show podcast. Have any questions or comments? Email Pastor Scott now at PastorScott at KKLA.com. Or tune in live weekdays from 3 to 5 p.m. And now... Here's Pastor Scott. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the Pastor Scott Show. Going to be with you already the end of October. Crazy. Some rain today uh, in the L.A. area. Uh, I guess we need it, as we'll say. Well, I wonder if we'll get it as much as we did last year. Anyway, 888-528-2557 is the number. 888-528-2557. We take issues of the day, look at them from a Christian perspective, and, you know, as we watch things in the Middle East heat up and lots going on there, of course, a lot of my thinking also is what's coming next? Like, what's we look, what's going to be the conversation maybe in six months or a year? We don't really know for sure on a lot of things. We don't know where the war is going to go or how long it's going to be. There will be twists and turns and controversies of all kinds. But I think that there will be an eventual turn of the conversation that will go in some ways. Like a lot of the support that Israel has, I think they will lose that support uh, eventually from a lot of people. And and that's kind of how people respond to whatever the issues are of the day. There's also a lot of real anti-Semitism. And at the end of the day, the Israel, you know, is probably has the least necessity of any country to pay attention to world opinion because at the end of the day their idea is actually everybody probably hates us and that's been the way that's been that way for thousands of years actually in different ways but after that turn then i think we're going to have this i think there will be a conversation because actually at the heart of all of this is not just territorial disputes it's actually religious Right, the Hamas. When you read their stuff, when you th- when you think about Iran's involvement and what those mullahs are about over there, and Hezbollah and these groups, it is their interpretation of Muslim faith, the Muslim religion, that is driving this, and has almost nothing to do with the land and rights to the land as much as it's it's a lot more to do with the idea that Israel shouldn't should be wiped off the face of the earth. That's their goal, and that presents some of the problem, but. What tends to happen, this is what I think is going to happen. Can I just predict something? I think in time, in several months, the conversation, because of the actual religious nature of this conflict, will go to religion in general. And this this was the pattern after 9-11. And I'm thinking we're going to have much of the same thing. And the global conversation in opinion pieces in newspapers and conversations on our campuses and maybe conversations that you and I have with, with people is going to be about religion in general, and kind of a way to conflate all of them into one box. That is the direction it goes. And then what happens then is that if you do that, if you make all religions the same, then what you're saying is that a couple of things. Number one, all religions are then false because they can't possibly be the same. They can't possibly be serving the same God. They all very distinctly contradict. Uh, So they can't be the same unless they're all not true if there's no God. And that's kind of the premise behind that. But then also, if they're all the same, 
then they're all equally violent or equally bad for culture. And that's where the conversation went after 9-11, after a while. And I think that that's going to come. So in thinking about this, I thought, you know what, I just want to talk to us and remind myself even some of what are some of the hardest passages in Scripture, but I think that they are relevant, and it has to do with the Old Testament, has to do with the um, moving into Canaan by the Israel or the uh, yeah the Israelites at the time, the Hebrews at the time, and the violent passages that are there in Scripture, and some of the hardest things. Right? Is why did God ask Israel or the Hebrews to to wipe out these other people groups that were in Israel? And that's there, and I encourage people to read the Bible in context, right? To not just pull out a Bible verse here and there or pull out something. You know, I've, I see people who will say, oh, the Bible condones violence or the Bible condones, and they'll pull out some verse here and there, but it's completely out of context. There's no place in most of the Bible at all where God commands anybody to kill anybody. In fact, Jesus would say, no, you pray for your for those who persecute you, and you love your enemies, and it's a ethic that develops in time, and you, you can't do that. But people are going to do that. People aren't going to spend the time just reading through the Bible. People are going to be lazy, or they're going to just deliberately not care. You know, I heard a guy talking about online, he's talking about Lazarus and the story of Lazarus, where Jesus is raises Lazarus from the dead and and Jesus says to Lazarus in the tomb, Lazarus, come out. And this guy took his uh, LGBTQ agenda and said Lazarus was gay and that the story was God calling Lazarus to come out as gay, which has absolutely nothing to do with the story. It has nothing to do with anything. Truth is, we don't know anything about Lazarus as, uh, you know, what direction he went. It wasn't, has nothing to do with it. But people can take a verse and remove the rest of the context and make it mean anything. You can do that with a legal document, a law, any book that's written. You, can, you know, people will do that to support their, whatever the agenda is. And that's coming. It's something that we should be thinking about. And I would put this out there a lot. As you think about Israel in the news today, you know, whenever Putin went into uh, Ukraine, it's a big deal. If you remember at that time when that happened, there was kind of a buildup to it. Satellites were showing all of the tanks out there and and is he going to invade or not? And Would Putin really do this? And the experts were split on whether or not he would. I remember thinking, well, of course he's going to do it. Why would he spend the money to move all that equipment down there if he's not going to do anything? Of course he's going to do it. And then he did it. And uh, it was a big story for a while, right? We carried that for a while. But people also thought this is going to last four days. And what does it mean? And it has implications for Europe. It has implications for NATO. A whole lot of stuff there, okay? Um, I think that the Israel thing is a bigger deal even globally. I don't remember as many uh, countries other than Europe and the United States. You know, some people chimed in. But... I feel like what we've seen already in just two weeks is a whole lot more attention worldwide from every continent, maybe not Antarctica. Uh, every continent is involved here, and that tends to happen with Israel. And the eye has moved, right? It's We have conflicts in different places around the world, but whenever something's happening in Israel, particularly if it has something to do with Jerusalem or the land of Israel it matters a lot. Why do people care so much about Israel? Because I would think, honestly, that the Ukraine thing is a bigger deal. We're talking about 
a large nation invading another nation, threatening Europe with war, World War II comparisons and Hitler and, uh, you know, the old Soviet Union. And there, there's so many, you know, expansionist thoughts of what Putin might really be up to. It's a big deal. It matters. But I don't think it's as big a deal as what's happening in Israel. And and it's, it probably ought to be, all things being equal. If there is no plan of God for Israel, if Israel is not special in a spiritual way, then I don't know that we would pay that much attention. There's other conflicts going on that might matter a lot to you if you're from that part of the world. We've talked a lot about uh, you know, different people, groups who are dealing with war and different things in their world, and some of it's really bad and terrorism and other stuff happening. Um, Armenians are going through that right here in Southern California and, and what's happening there in Azerbaijan and all that doesn't make a lot of world news though. The United States isn't sending in aircraft carriers. We have what, two carrier groups now, battle groups in the uh, Mediterranean, China's sending in battle groups into the Mediterranean. We are sending troops. We are actually having, uh, our bases that are, uh, an outpost throughout the Middle East uh, are getting bombed by drones and other missile things. I guess we've had 24 of our troops injured. I don't think anybody's been killed yet, but that's a pretty big deal, right? And this is over a very, very tiny piece of land that from the standpoint of economy doesn't offer a whole lot to the world. You know, there's some, there's some very good, uh, crops that are grown there and exported to different parts of the world. And Israel has done that. It's, um, you know, the, your diamonds are, are made there, but you could, you could cut those diamonds and grade them in another place. You know, it's not really, you know, what, there's no oil to speak of in any big deal. What's, why is it that this is such a big deal? Uh, every time something happens in this region, it's a big deal. Why is anti-Semitism such a harbinger of a nation's fall that might be coming? It's other kinds of racism. There's other kinds of terrible things that happen. Why is it that whenever you see this sort of rise and the things that people are justifying against Jews, you'd never justify against anybody else? And this has happened in World War II. It's happened in multiple times over thousands of years. Why is that? See, and I think it's because the Bible story is true. I think it's because there are spiritual things going on that we don't even understand except to acknowledge that they're happening. I think it's because we tend to know. See, even parts of the world that don't seem affected by these events are right now very connected to these events and concerned about these events. And modern history and current religious movements all sort of respond when something happens in Israel. I think that the story cannot be ignored or deemed irrelevant because it affects every person's life on this planet to a certain degree. If that statement sounds too big for you, you know, that's, you know, you can think about that if you want to for a while, but I think that it does. I think everybody on the planet is affected by this conflict more than any of the rest of them. Uh, frankly. And history plays a role here. It, you know, when we're looking at this, we're really, you know, what could happen in Ukraine is maybe maybe Putin is defeated or rolled back, or maybe they take part of the country eventually. Eventually, unless his plan is to really go into European countries and start a much bigger war, could be his plan. It just doesn't look like he's going to be that successful with it. There will be some kind of end to this. Maybe Ukraine will push the Russians out and that'll be it. Um, whatever happens here in Israel, this is changing the calculus for a while. It'll impact world history, no matter what happens. And as Christians, we believe that all of these things are part of God's plan to where Jesus will eventually return. And it fits very nicely into Scripture and where Scripture foresees the world going. 
And that's not something new or something that's just New Testament. It's something that's very Old Testament. It's something that goes all the way back to Genesis and the plan of God. If you do a Bible study of Genesis and Revelation, first book of the Bible and the last book of the Bible, you will find a whole lot of symmetry. You will find a whole lot of things, the tree of life and the tree of life, and you will find um, that sin comes into the world and the people are then saved, that there, you find all of the loose ends are tied up. And it's an incredible, incredible story. And it's not just a storybook. We believe that it's the story of history, of things that really happen. Something that really happened over time is there was a conquest of Canaan. You read about it in Deuteronomy and Joshua. There are other stories in the, of wars in the Bible. You have sources outside of history that confirm this, that talk about it. There's a lot of really interesting things that we have dug up from other kings and other um you know, regional uh, kingdoms or regional uh, areas that coincide with the scriptural stories. And the thing is about this is that if you read through, if you ever take, if you ever read through the Bible, I used to do a program called the Bible in 90 days. You know, you probably are doing a, a Bible in a year. How you doing, by the way? The year's almost up. Did you start January 1 and you, you're still at it with the Bible in a year? Good for you. If you are, that's great. Most people crash and burn in Leviticus. And if you don't get, if you don't do that, then if if you're just reading it straight through, some people do Genesis to Revelation. That's how I did it. You know, you you kind of some people will struggle when you get to Joshua, the book of Joshua, because of the wars, because of the stories. If you were to make a movie out of it and really make a movie, it would be R-rated, right? There, it's pretty violent, and uh, you know, I think you would you find it to be a really good story. But lots of people go, I didn't expect to see this in the Bible people groups getting wiped out and the the kind of uh, barbaric violence that is there. Uh, If you read all of that and then you look at what Hamas did, you go, oh, that's Old Testament what they did right there. And you realize that the Old Testament is actually very much relevant, very, very clearly what people are capable of doing. But there's a context. And I want to talk to you about that because I think where the conversation eventually is going to go in in the world, just the conversation that's going to be in opinion pieces in newspapers, a conversation on news stories, you know, several months from now, once this Israel thing sort of works its way through, however that's going to happen, if it's similar to 9-11, then eventually it comes back towards the Christian or any religious person, but typically towards the Christian. And a lot of people don't understand why is there stories in the Bible about history and wars and what's God's role in it? And why did God command his people to go uh, take out this people group? which is in there. And by the way, God does this one time. He does it through the the conquest of Canaan and to give them the promised land of Israel, which he promised, which they they got. And no one else has ever set up a government there, by the way, uh, in all of these years. And But after that, the entire purpose of that, God doesn't send them beyond the description of what Israel was meant to be. He doesn't say, okay, now you've got Israel. Now I want you to go out and uh, kill other people or and capture other people groups or take over other countries, become an empire. He doesn't say that. Instead, Israel becomes the source of light, the source of salvation. Everything in the temple is meant to show the that the truth of God and scriptures is meant not just for Israel, but for the rest of the world, the law that Israel put together. You know, there's a reason uh, that Moses is probably the one of the greatest leaders of all time, no matter who you talk to about that. In fact, whenever you're watching what's happening in Washington, Republicans got a speaker today. We'll talk about that later. But you know, whenever the House of Representatives is in session and somebody's standing up on that dais, whenever the president comes in and gives the State of the Union address, you know who he's looking at? 
on the wall, he's looking at Moses. There is a sketch, a, a, you know, a plaster mask, basically, of Moses on the wall right back there. Um, why? Because right there you have in the story the beginning of law the beginning of the rule of law, the beginning of civilization as we know it or try to attain. It's huge deal, Moses. And there's a context for all of that. That context begins in the book of Genesis. And if you keep reading from Genesis and start reading through your Bible, you get a bunch of history and it brings you to some some uh, clarity of what's happening. But it does raise some questions, particularly in our modern times and questions I think that you're going to get from people uh, pretty soon. So I want to talk about that. Uh, this is the Pastor Scott Show. You can join the conversation by calling 888-528-2557, 888-528-2557. It gets into the area of moral authority again. We talked about that a little bit. You're going to hear that term, I think, a lot also, right? There's There are you know, conversations about war and what is a just war. You can look up just war theory and you can figure out what's just. We have rules of war. We have the Geneva Convention. We have, you know, statements being made by people that say uh, Israel has a right to defend itself, but they must stay within the rules of war, right? There's, there are laws and rules, and it seems kind of um, odd when you think about how horrific war is, but there is some kind of moral sense you know, as a as a people that we have, as human beings, that that war is bad in general, and uh, but that war is unfortunately sometimes necessary. That sometimes there's a time for it because of human nature, and uh, humans have struggled to figure out how to put it in some kind of legal box. Um, at any rate, you have in that conversation you have moral authority. Who has moral authority? Why? are the allies, the good guys, and the Axis powers, the Nazis, the bad guys in World War II. The allies killed an awful lot of people, bombed a lot of civilians. A lot of babies died, a lot of kids died, a lot of moms died, a lot of innocent people died in all of those cities in Europe um, from both sides. Why is one side the good side and one side is the bad side? It's because the Allies had moral authority, that people agreed Hitler was bad, that what Hitler was doing, that he started it, that what he was doing was bad, that his philosophies were bad, evil, I should say, and therefore he should be taken out. And as human beings, we took that conviction so far that we believe that even to this day, if you are a German Nazi, we still hunt you down and put you on trial, and we will send you to jail, and you're probably 100 years old. And we do that. We still do that to this day. Why? Why do we have, why does anybody have the authority to do that? Why is it that, you know, both sides are not equally to blame? Well, there is a reason for that. And it has to do with moral authority. And what you find in the Bible is that God has moral authority. He has moral authority because he's the creator. It's one of the things that in your own life and in my life that matters greatly about God being the creator. Like, don't get too bogged down into how he created or how many days or those things. Those are interesting conversations. But don't lose the the point of God being the creator. It's very meaningful. It means something very, very important to your life. It's what gives him authority that he made you. It's what gives him authority to determine what is sin and what isn't, because he's the creator. He made you. He owns the universe. He owns the planet. It's his. He made it. It's not mine. It's not yours. It's not your pastors. It's not the churches. It's not some other countries. It's not some alien race, for those of you who are waiting for those people to show up. It's 
God. And God, in his promise, selected the people of Israel, uh, the Hebrews, the people of Abraham, and said, I'm going to give you this land. He called it the promised land. And that's what happened. So in the Bible, you see, particularly in the book of Joshua, you'll find the retaking of Canaan by the Israelites. So what happened is Abraham had settled in Israel, um, but then through different things going on and famine and other stuff, wound up in Egypt and the Joseph story and a lot of that. But after a while, uh, the people ended up enslaved in Egypt. And then you have Moses and they leave Egypt and they go back to the promised land. It's called the promised land. Promised by who? God promised it. He gave it to Abraham. His people lost it. They got enslaved in Egypt for a while, but then God's promises that are still in effect, God brings them back to it. And this sets the stage for violence and war because there are people, you know, living there, migrants of all kinds in, uh, in you know, people groups that don't really exist anymore, but that are, you know, there were people spreading out through the earth at this time. And you know, you might ask, why does God do it this way? I think that's a really good question. Why did he do it this way? Why did God command his people to wipe out other people and people groups in Canaan? And that is what comes back to, I think, Christians and Jews um, or anybody who believes the Bible and and God's role in it um, as a question. And that is used to try to equate Christianity or or any other religion with Islam or to make all religions the same, to say that all religions are violence or all, all religions preach violence, which is not true at all. Uh, but it's relevant to talk about because the philosophy of our time, once again, is to put all religions in the same bucket. And that is where I think the conversation with whatever happens in Israel is going to come back to us Um, particularly as Christians eventually. So when we come back from the break, I'll talk more about that. If you want to join the conversation, the number is 888-528-2557, 888-528-2557. You can follow me on social media right now. Just go to Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, at Pastor Scott Show. You can also watch us at kkla.com. We'll be back as the Monday edition of the Pastor Scott Show continues. Stay tuned. You're listening to the Pastor Scott Show podcast. Have any questions or comments? Email Pastor Scott now at pastorscott at kkla.com or tune in live weekdays from 3 to 5 p.m. Now, back to the show. Welcome back, everybody. Pastor Scott Show, 888-528-2557. Talking about what I think is a conversation that is coming through uh, in time with the war in Israel, wherever that goes, where eventually the conversation will turn to religion and, uh, you know, it'll come to kind of a debate about what maybe Muslims believe because you've got Hamas and you've got Hezbollah and the Iranian government and all of that. And what they're doing, what they say they're doing is fulfilling what they're supposed to do, according to Islam. Not all Muslims believe that, right? There's different beliefs that people have. But eventually that is the justification for war. It is the justification for what just happened in Israel. It's the justification for uh, the terrorist attacks that we have. I've seen over really a long time, right? This, this isn't something new or just common in the last, you know, 40 or 50 years. There have been this this line of thinking for a long time. And, you know, in the, the Marine hymn, when we say from the halls of Montezuma to the shores of Tripoli, where's Tripoli? It's, it's Libya. And it's because we were already having problems with terrorists, you know, 250 years ago. Um, and when that song was written, we had some interaction with pirates, terrorist pirates who had uh, a religious reason why they were attacking the ships. But what I'm getting at here is that eventually the conversation is going to come to, just like it did after 9-11, to say that all religions are the same and they're all false and all of them lead to violence. And that's not true. 
Uh, you might have uh, a coexist bumper sticker, or you see that somewhere. Remember that, and the letters of coexist. It's kind of a pet peeve of mine, that thing, because uh, this came out big time after 9-11. I don't know if it existed beforehand or not. It might have, but it became popular after that. And each letter is a symbol representing different religions around the world, different world religions. And the idea is to say that all philosophies are the same and everybody needs to stop killing each other and just coexist without noticing that actually most of them are not killing each other, actually. And most of the killing is done historically by one of those groups or by other people attacking that same group. And uh, that group kills its own all the time. Right. Then, and actually, it's just it it sends a message that isn't reality in uh, world religions. And that eventually comes. And then for Christians, that conversation comes back to the scripture and what happened in Canaan. So I want to go through that a little bit. And I see your calls. You can call at 888-528-2557, 888-528-2557. You know, there's a lot of and, – and this is a big piece here in modern philosophy, particularly in the world of critical theory, right? This is why we're having this problem on the campuses. The campuses have been so entrenched in the idea that's taught in critical theory that everything is a power struggle between the oppressed and the oppressor and that everybody, as you divide, divide, and divide, and intersectionality and all these theories is that everybody is oppressed by something and that – and it eventually just puts pits people against each other, and we're seeing that. And now what we have is a philosophy that says, well, what happens if a supposed group that is the oppressor, meaning the Israelis, are brutally attacked by whoever they presume to be oppressing in a terrorist action, raping women and killing babies and all of that? And it doesn't compute. And it's very hard to respond to that when it goes against what you believe to be true about humanity. It's because what you believe to be true just isn't true. Some people groups are wicked. Some people groups have wicked philosophies. And the truth is, is that not all philosophies can coexist together. And the ones that can't are the ones that say, I don't want you to exist. Therefore, I will kill you murder you, not just defeat you, not just take your wealth, not just try to be out-educate you and be smarter than you and, and do better and excel in success. When you have a philosophy that says, uh, my entire goal in life is to murder your people, those, those groups can't live together. And eventually, you know, it will lead to war. You can't. And that exists. And once you acknowledge that, once you acknowledge that there are some philosophies that you cannot coexist with, that there are some philosophies that people genuinely hold and act on that cannot be sustained, well, then the whole thing falls apart. The whole idea that everybody, uh, that all philosophies are the same and that there's this oppressor oppressor thing going on that is you know somehow a way you can study it see if you admit that then the entire notion that all religions are equal it can't be sustained it can't and then everything unravels after that it's a much deeper subject but we're we're living right now in a philosophical meltdown globally we don't trust our institutions and we have good reason not to trust them right we we don't often know who has the upper ground or what we are talking about, moral authority. And that is creating a lot of problem in how we see the world. That is what a lot of this tension is, where people are shocked that some people are openly – there's a difference between you know, supporting you know, innocent Palestinian people and what they're going through and supporting terrorist attacks where you rape and murder people like that happen. But some people are finding no distinction, openly saying it. And we're shocked at this, but we shouldn't be. 
And this is where eventually these conversations always come back to religion and what's true. And at the end of the day, it comes down to moral authority. Moral authority is premised on principles of fundamental truths, which are independent of written or or laws. Uh, Moral authority necessitates the existence of actual truth. Who declares what is actually true? Who declares with authority what is right and what is wrong? And the answer is whoever has moral authority. The reason we say that Nazis were wrong is because the world had moral authority to be able to say, Hitler, you are wrong. Your philosophy, your Third Reich nonsense is immoral. It is evil and it needs to be wiped out. Who are we to say that? Well, we had moral authority. This is why atheism doesn't work very well. If there's no God or higher power that fills that role, then what happens is that, you know, whoever has moral authority is just whoever is more militarily strong, whether they are good or evil. And there's, there's actually no right or wrong, only power and oppression. There's only the survival of the fittest if there's no God. And you can actually do whatever you want and make whatever you want moral if that's the case. But if there is a God, then there is a moral authority. And that moral authority cannot be challenged because he's God and we're not. And in the Bible, the Israel's God declares the authority of himself when he says, thou shalt have no other gods before me. The history of the world is actually God's history of how he's going to bring about through his people, the ones he created in his image, human beings, that how he's going to bring us back into true relationship with him. That's what history is about. That's what history is going. That's where it's been. That's what's happening now. And God is doing it in the way it needs to be done according to him because he understands the true nature of sin, the true nature of the universe, the true nature of justice and what it is. So when God commands in the Old Testament, for example, the Israelites to take Canaan by force, you know, this is what he says in it, by the way. And I think this is a important passage. And I see a couple of your calls. We'll get to them here in a second. 888-528-2557. This is the Pastor Scott Show. Deuteronomy chapter 9, verse 4. The command to do this is there, but this is what the Lord says. After the Lord your God, he's speaking to the people of Israel. After the Lord your God has driven them out before you, do not say to yourself, he's telling them, you're going to win these battles and you will have the promised land. Uh, He says, the Lord has brought me here. He says, do not say to yourself, the Lord has brought me here to take possession of this land because of my righteousness. No, the Lord says, it is on account of the wickedness of these nations that the Lord is going to drive them out before you. It is not because of your righteousness or your integrity that you are going to take possession of their land, but on account of the wickedness of these nations, the Lord your God will drive them out before you to accomplish what he swore to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And God says, understand then that it is not because of your righteousness that the Lord your God is giving you this good land to possess, for you are a stiff-necked people. See, the reason that God does this in the Old Testament, the reason for God commanding people of Israel to wipe out these groups that were in Canaan when they were coming back out of slavery, God says it's because those other nations are wicked. Who says so? Not the people of Israel. God says so. God says who has the authority to say so because he's God. And he makes it really clear to them. And I think this this matters. He makes it really clear to them at the beginning that this isn't because Israel is somehow more righteous, except that they have an agreement and a covenant with God that he made with them alone, that he would use them to bring salvation to the world, the whole world, including the wicked, if they will repent later. See, the people of Israel are special because God chose them, not because they are in some way have earned it by being better than some other group. 
Why did God choose them? Because he has the authority to choose them because he's God. He's the creator. See, being the creator gives God moral authority. That's, and I'm speaking of this for the Christian, or if you're listening and you're kind of wondering, you know, why does this happen? God is the author of life, of life as we know it. He's the judge and the supreme authority, and we can't dethrone him. It's impossible to do that. He can destroy what he made, or he can bless it at his choosing because he made it. It's his. I use the example sometimes, and it doesn't fit all the way, but, you know, when my boys are building cities in their rooms. You know, my, you know, John, my youngest, might build a Lego town in his room, and he can destroy it when he wants to. He can build it how he wants to. He can do whatever he wants. It's his. It's his toys. He doesn't get in trouble if John goes into his room and tears apart his Legos that he built. But if James were to come in, his older brother, and tear apart his Legos— then James does get in trouble because they don't belong to James. That wasn't James. James doesn't have authority to go in and tear apart the Legos. See, that's how it works. And by the way, at that point, dad has to get involved because God has also ordained household justice. And I have to get involved and say, James, you need to say you're sorry, or you're going to get into more trouble. Who has moral authority in the house? Parents do. Unless parents abuse their children, then who has moral authority over the parents at that point? Government does. God set it up that way. Why did God do that? Because God has moral authority. And this is something that's important. God has told us that sin destroys, that wickedness destroys, and when we sin, we destroy his creation. This angers God, and justice demands that he deal with it. He has the moral authority because he keeps his promises. He stays true to his nature, which is just and fair. This is, you can get into a lot of this stuff, but when you get into this, when people start to say, why does this happen? The answer is because God, because God has moral authority. Well, I don't understand all of that. You can't because you're not God. But who sets the universe in motion? Who is the one who has a plan for all of this? Who has a plan for the salvation of humanity for all who would believe? God does. Who set forth the, you know, we may not understand, we may not even like some of the things that God does. But we don't have authority to like. It's not up to us to judge, to put ourselves in a position of judging God. When we do that, it's weird, right? Because we don't have that authority. God does. And that's the answer to a lot of, I think, the pushback that we're going to get here pretty soon. Um, I think several months after the conversation turns to religion, where it ultimately will, because that's what this is about. And then the push will be to put all religions in the same box, to say all religions are are uh, violent. They will point to the Old Testament And what we need to know as Christians is actually there's only one time in the Old Testament where God says, wipe these people out uh, who are on your land that I promised to you, and you're wiping them out because they're wicked. And then he says, and by the way, the reason you get to be on the land is not because you're really any better, but because I made a promise with you. And that promise, by the way, was to bring about the salvation of the world through the Messiah. And after Israel is then established uh, as a kingdom, they're not ordered to invade Israel and take over other people groups and do all that. Instead, they're ordered to tell others about Israel's God and the coming Messiah. And uh, that's the deal. All right, there's uh, more to it than that, but I got to take a break. Sal, I see your call and uh, caller left a message here. I'll get to that as the Wednesday edition uh, continues. The number is 888-528-2557, 888-528-2557. And you can follow me at Pastor Scott Show, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Give me a follow at Pastor Scott Show. All right, see you in a minute. Stay tuned. You're listening to the Pastor Scott Show podcast. Have any questions or comments? Email Pastor Scott now at pastorscott at kkla.com or tune in live weekdays from 3 to 5 p.m. 
Now, back to the show. Welcome back, everybody. Pastor Scott Show, 888-528-2557. And uh, we've been talking about uh, some biblical history of Canaan and um, what happened there, with the idea that I think eventually this conversation that this war in Israel will start will lead us to a place in our country and around the world where there will be a conversation once again about all religions are the same and all religions are bad or all religions stoke violence. And uh, I wanted to deal with uh, the violence in the Bible that is there that God commands and why. We did that in the last couple of segments. I want to get to your calls here. Uh, 888-528-2557 is the number. Sal in Glendale, you still with us? Yeah, I'm still here. Hey, thanks for holding on so long. Uh, Pastor, I grew up in a atheist family. You know, uh, we were not allowed to talk about religion at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, but now I'm starting with Christians. I'm, you know, I'm kind of leaning that way, and I do believe the, the story of Jesus Christ, and I, I believe all the miracles He did and everything. Yeah. What I have a problem with is um, uh, uh, the Jewish people saying that they're the chosen ones. Mm-hmm. That's kind of to me that's very arrogant. Uh, you know, being that there's Asians out there, uh, Native Americans, Black people. You know, wouldn't God uh, appear to them and told them instead of Jewish telling themselves, you know, because this is a, a Jewish Bible, and they they are saying themselves that they are the chosen ones. How come blacks, you know, God, not saying that, or Asians are saying that, or Latin Americans are saying that? I mean, how come God didn't appear to them and told them, hey, listen, I'm going to put these people uh, to um, lead you guys to civilization and to peace and proper and all this stuff. Mm-hmm. It makes kind of no sense that, you know, and, and to me it's very convenient for them to say they're the chosen one because they're the ones that wrote the book. <laughs> yeah. I don't get it. You know, I, that's a, that is exactly the part of the question that I'm uh, trying to ad- address here, actually, and a lot of people think that. Were you listening when I read the passage from Deuteronomy where God describes that? Why? Why? Uh, no, but, but but who wrote that? Wasn't that a Jewish person? Sure, Moses wrote that. But, you know, I mean, at some point yeah, you've got to have some faith, right? Is that, but, you know, and that's a, exactly. that's a big part of it. Because I, I suppose you could argue case, that right? anybody who's writing that might say their own people are the chosen people, right? That's what a person might say. Okay, everything is about faith, right? So my faith tells me that God didn't just make Adam and Eve. That God made black people in Africa, mm-hmm. white people in Europe, uh, red skin in uh, Americas, and you know the in Asia. Um, because this is the way I have faith in God. I have faith in my people. Yeah, and that's nothing. That's, that's one of the problems. We're fighting because somebody told us that we are one. If, if, if we stop that thinking and, and start thinking that no, we won't, we will not just all one. Maybe we'll start respecting each other even more, knowing that we did not all come from just one. I'm not too sure, Pastor. I'm a little confused. Yeah. Well, the answer to that ultimately is in Christ, right? So that the throughout the story, all of us, every people group, every culture, every every nation of the world, every race, every ethnicity all of whom are saved through faith in Christ, that that is what God is. So the reason in the Bible, when you put it all together, he didn't choose, he's very explicit, he didn't choose uh, the the people of Israel, you know, because they were better. He specifically says, I'm not doing that. 
He chose them because he's got to choose somebody to have the line of people to preserve the law and the prophecies so that when Jesus and the Messiah came around, everybody would know who he is. And and something that was controversial, it still is controversial between, say, Christians and Jews, as as Christians, we believe that Jesus is the Messiah for both Jews and Gentiles, for everybody. And there are some Jewish mm-hmm. people who don't like that at all. That's one of the reasons that that Christ is rejected by some uh, Jewish people, right, is because you want to say, well, we're the chosen people, right? But when Jesus yeah. came, he came to say, well, you were chosen to bring forth the Messiah who is to save the world, all nations. And, you know, what Israel has had to deal with as the chosen people is the anti-Semitism, the spiritual attack, the physical attack. They are clearly the most, you know, historically over thousands of years, the most abused people uh, in the world. Right. And all they have is one little tiny piece of land that was promised to them uh, by God. That's it. So I, I don't know that the cho- – I think that there, if people are feeling like, hey, I'm a chosen person, or if you're worried that this other person's the chosen group, you have to understand what they're chosen for. They're not chosen to be better. They are chosen to be the people group who would be the custodians of God's law and to bring forth the Messiah who's for the world, not chosen to say they're better. Does that make sense? Yeah, but how come I feel like I'm not part Jewish or part African or part? I mean, shouldn't I feel like the the connection if we all came from one? Not, I'm a little confused about things. Yeah, well, the connection is in in Christ, and so what I would do is really study, you know, your New Testament that that went through Jesus who died for the sins of the world. He didn't just die for Israel. He didn't just die for you know some like people he liked. He died for the world so that whoever believes in him would have eternal life. And the way the Bible describes it is that everybody who comes to Christ, whether they are Jews and Gentiles, are brothers and sisters in Christ. And there are specific promises that that God made to Israel specifically um, that the book of Revelation, for example, and other prophetic books will say will come about at the very end of time. Um, But once again, it's rough to be Israel in all of that until the very end, and Christ is still coming to set up his kingdom for all who would believe. So it's, it's super important, I think, to realize what chosen people means, that it doesn't mean God thinks they're better. It's God, and this is what I was getting at with moral authority. God has a plan for the salvation of the world. He could have chosen some other group, right? He could have chosen some other group of people at a different time even, uh, but he didn't, and that's up to him. But don't Jewish feel like they're better? Well, I'm sure that there are people in every race who feel like they're better, right? I mean, that's uh, <laughs> and I'm sure that I'm sure that there are. I mean, that's racism, right? And it's one of the great yeah, sins of humanity. Um, and I'm sure that there are probably Jewish people who say, "Hey, we're the chosen people," and they feel, yeah. uh, you know, but and it is special. But the the choice, you know, that cho- being chosen, you're really chosen to sacrifice. You know, you're chosen yeah. to come through all the anti-Semitism to to be attacked by the world right now. You know, at, at the end, the Bible describes a situation where really every nation is against Israel, every nation. Um, that's yeah. a heck of a place to, uh, to want to be, right? Um, the most yeah. important thing is that God is sovereign over the peoples of the world. He determines what happens, and his plan is not to make one group um, somehow better than another. His plan is to bring salvation to the world through Christ, so that all who would believe. And one you know, of, you know what I wish will happen in Gaza right now. Yeah, I wish 
uh, Israel, the Jewish, will go in there with buses and take all the kids out by force. Take them out and put them aside, and then they could go in and, and start whatever they want to start. But um, Gaza is not protecting them, so the Jews will show a lot, a lot of love and a lot of—I don't know what other word I'm looking for—by going in there, taking the kids out, knowing that they're going to do whatever they have to do. Yeah, that's not I'm a sure bad idea. You know, I know that I know that there's about—I heard this morning about 600,000 people are off in a certain area where the where Israel said go over there. Uh, so that's about a third of the country. Um, I think you're, you know, the more that Israel does to protect civilians and particularly kids, little kids and moms, I think it will go better. They did that to the Native Americans. They took all the kids out because, you know, the Natives were not doing good for them. They educated them and did all this stuff. They should do the same thing to the Palestinians. Yeah, well, one of the reasons we got to pray is that uh, that righteous things will happen. Sal, I appreciate your call, and uh, thanks for Thank listening you. to the Pastor Scott Show. And trust in Jesus for this. It's his plan, and uh, that is the most important thing. All right, I only have a few seconds here. Tim, you've been holding on for a while. I only have about 10 seconds here. Tim in West Hollywood. Hi, Frank. Uh, uh, Tim, I'm sorry, Scott. Tom. That's all right. That is okay. The <laughs> last two guys sitting in this chair were named Frank. <laughs> I know. That's what's still on my phone, so I, I do apologize. <laughs> I, I know you said it's got to be real quick. So um, I am a believer. Uh, I love the Word. I love the God of the Word. Um, and I just wanted to say that uh, one of the things when I was searching and trying to find what truth was, um, when I read the Quran, uh, it, it the thing that repelled me from it was it said that Christians and Jews were the uh, infidel. Yeah, yeah. you know what, I'm, that, I'm out of time, Tim, but I, I think I know where you're going with that. I, I thank you. You can call back maybe on Friday, we'll have an open line, but I'm, I have a hard break coming. This is the Pastor Scott Show, and uh, you can write me at pastorscott at kkla.com. I do thank you, Tim, for calling, uh, but we are out of time. When we come back, we're going to change the subject a little bit and uh, talk about some things happening in Washington. Pastor Scott Show will be back as the Wednesday edition continues. Stay tuned. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com. <laughs> 